listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with me, Jade Elliott, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. You're listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with myself, Jade Elliott, joined today by Dr. Jesse Doray with Intermountain Healthcare. Uh, you are a reproductive endocrinologist uh, that's affiliated with Intermountain, and we appreciate you being with us. Thanks for having me. We're talking today about trying to get pregnant. Uh, the journey can look so different for every single person, and it can look so different for every single pregnancy as well. Um, talking about trying to get pregnant and also when to see an infertility specialist if um, that is a route that, you know, as a woman trying to get pregnant, we have to take. So, you know, first of all, I think we should talk about the fact that you're not alone. If you feel like you're struggling, trying to get pregnant, um, whether you've been trying for three months, three years, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I think at some point, all of us kind of feel like, is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for couples who struggle with it, it starts to feel like everyone around you is having babies except you. And, um, and it can be hard. It can be disappointing. It can be confusing. You start to wonder why isn't my body doing what I think it's supposed to be doing. Um, and you're going to kind of walk us through everything. And especially when it comes to some of the statistics uh, yeah. around getting pregnant, making us feel a little more normal in regards yeah. to the length of time that it might take. Yes, I, I'd love to kind of jump right in. So I I think to give the community a little bit of background on just some fertility statistics, um, I think a lot of patients are surprised when we go over some of these numbers. Um, when we're just looking at the probability of conception the first month a couple attempts pregnancy, it's nowhere near 100%. It's usually mm-hmm. about 25% in that first month. And the longer a couple tries without success, the lower that probability becomes. Um, just looking at some epidemiologic data, about 15% of couples who attempt pregnancy won't yet be there at the 12 month mark. And that's the definition of infertility, 12 months without a pregnancy. And that doesn't mean that it can't happen without treatment, but the monthly probability after 12 months or so of infertility is about two to 4% per month. And so depending on the age demographic that we're talking about, you know, that's usually when a couple will reach out and want to talk about testing and maybe a stepwise approach to treatment, but it's not a cookie cutter mold for all couples. We encourage couples to reach out to the medical community whenever we could be helpful. If a woman has very irregular cycles, we would never want her to wait 12 months before reaching out because if her cycles are every six to nine months, she's probably not ovulating. And so it's pointless to wait 12 months to reach out for some hormone testing and to discuss Mm -hmm. ovulation induction medication. Um, If a woman is attempting pregnancy after the age of 35, we recommend reaching out to the medical community, maybe after six months of infertility, um, just 
just because time is so important at older ages, you know, we'd, we'd like to offer testing and consideration for a stepwise approach to treatment a little bit earlier for that age group. After the age of 40, um, our professional society, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, recommends reaching out, um, you know, as soon as a patient's thinking about conception to talk about how age impacts fertility and other reproductive outcomes like miscarriage risk and the risk of having a child with a genetic abnormality. And so, you know, I think that we want patients to have sort of some general background information and to not worry if you're not pregnant in the first month or two that you attempt conception and to have some background information about ways to optimize natural fertility. Um, but, you know, we don't have to ask patients to wait for 12 months before they reach out to either a primary care provider, an OBGYN, or even a midwife. Um, that they've been going to, or a reproductive endocrinologist, if any of those medical specialties could be helpful about specific questions or general questions about building a family. Absolutely. You know, like you said, there are so many different variables mm -hmm. and it can look so different for so many people. I mean, just, you know, I share a lot about, you know, my own personal journeys and stories, you know, here on baby Your baby, because, you know, we all have them mm -hmm. and, you never know what that might look like for someone else. And, um, I was married previously before my, my marriage. Now, um, I was married for eight years to someone and we had tried to conceive and I was told that I wouldn't be able to, I was told that it, it wasn't going to happen without, um, you know, stimulating ovulation and going through some, you know, infertility treatments and things like that ended up leaving that marriage and not because of the infertility issues, okay. but because of so many others. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was just God's doing in that situation because then I met my husband now, um, who will be my husband forever. And, um, the first time that we did the thing you do to get mm -hmm. pregnant, mm -hmm. we did. And so you just never know what that journey might look like, you know? Um, and then on our last baby that we have now, um, it did take us almost a year mm -hmm. to get pregnant. Um, and I am in that older age category at the time, um, being pregnant at 38 years old, mm -hmm. I felt like the oldest pregnant person in Utah, oh knowing goodness. that I'm not, no. <laughs> but, but you start to feel that way, but ladies, you're not, um, you know, but you do, you start to wonder, okay, when's it going to happen? What's going to, what's it going to look like next? knowing that there are so many resources out there and that you're not the only one with these, you know, wild and, and different and sometimes frustrating journeys. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You, you know, we want some just general information to put out there to the community, but we definitely want to treat each individual or couple um, as individuals, um, as we're gathering a history, recommending testing, and then discussing treatment options. And I think it's important for women to know too, that it doesn't mean that your body's not working. It doesn't mean that your body's not doing what it shouldn't be doing. And it doesn't mean that it's, it's all on you either. It takes two mm -hmm. to tango here. It takes two to make this baby. And, you know, there are, there are things that could be on your husband as well. And that needs to be a conversation had between, you know, the, the man and the woman in this knowing that, Hey, it's, it's not just, it, it might not just all be me. Mm -hmm. There are so many other factors that can play into this, but I know as women, we always think it's all me. This is my fault. It's my fault. Why we can't have a baby or why we can't get pregnant naturally or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And that's not the case. 
Right. Goodness. I hear that after, you know, couples struggle with infertility or after a woman has a miscarriage, she says, what did I do wrong? What did I do mm-hmm. wrong? Nothing. You know, this yeah. is a medical diagnosis that has medical treatments available. Yeah, exactly. So when we start getting into that idea of, okay, you know, maybe it's time to start talking to an infertility specialist. Maybe we've gone that year, or maybe we're in one of those categories where, you know, we should talk to our doctor a little sooner. Um, maybe talk to an infertility specialist a little sooner. I mean, there are so many options out there these days. You don't feel like, you know, just because it didn't happen the first time or you did have a miscarriage, mm-hmm. don't let that just completely shut you down and think, you know, okay, this is it for me because it's not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, sometimes when patients come in to see us, they'll have different goals. Of course, people are individuals. Not everybody wants to jump right into aggressive treatment and it's all okay. Some patients come in and just want to hear ways to optimize natural fertility. And we talk about optimizing body mass index. We talk about smoking cessation. We talk about a healthy balanced diet. We talk about the fertile window and when to time intercourse to maximize natural fertility. We talk about downloading those apps to track the menstrual cycle and predict ovulation based on those apps or ovulation predictor kits. Um, Some patients come in and see us and they just want to do testing to see if the door is open to a natural pregnancy. They want to know if the tubes are open. They want to know if the semen analysis parameters are reasonable. They want a pelvic ultrasound to see if the uterine anatomy looks normal. They want to check their egg reserve to make sure their egg reserve looks reassuring. Other patients want to start a stepwise approach to treatment. And, um, you know, if there's been 12 or more months of infertility in a woman less than 35, or maybe six or more months of infertility between 35 and 40, or, you know, if a woman's attempting pregnancy after 40, we'll often talk about maybe starting some superovulation intrauterine insemination cycles as a potential option. And some patients want to be very aggressive and talk about in vitro fertilization. Um, you know, it, it really depends on the individual patient and the testing. And usually there isn't just one option for a patient. Sometimes after seeing us, patients go back to try naturally and then reconnect with us if not pregnant in three to six months after testing. Sometimes patients want to start a stepwise approach to treatment. Again, sometimes patients want to be very aggressive. It's all okay. We look at our role as one in which we need to, you know, recommend appropriate testing. We have to talk about, you know, ways to optimize natural fertility, and we have to talk about the pros and cons of all treatments available and and let the couple decide what to do. Yeah. And realistic expectations too. Setting very honest, realistic expectations is very important. When we have a couple thinking about in vitro fertilization, it's really nice because this is a very highly regulated field of medicine. I usually have patients pull up the SART.org statistics with me and we look at national statistics and statistics from the Utah Fertility Center in that patient's demographic, considering age and egg reserve of the female partner and what other factors need to go into the prognosis for that patient. And we'll look at our reported live birth rates for the last reporting year available for a a patient with a similar background. And I I think that because some of our treatments can be tough on, on patients, sometimes they're not covered by insurance. We have to be very open and honest about what those treatments involve and what the prognosis would look like. Right. And so, you know, we've got to that point. 
Um, we've seen an infertility specialist. We've talked about the options. You know, what what's next? What does it look like? You know, before starting some of those treatments. Yeah. So if we have an anovulatory patient, we'll typically make sure we've done hormone testing and an ultrasound. Um, and oftentimes we'll recommend a semen analysis for the male partner. If, you know, it's a, um, a heterosexual couple planning just timed intercourse at home. And then we'll talk about, um, ovulation induction with Clomid or Femara. These are both oral ovulation induction medications with PCOS. We have um, several high quality randomized trials that say Fomara is better than Clomid at helping women ovulate and get pregnant with PCOS. Um, if a couple has mild male factor, maybe endometriosis or, um, is struggling, um, with sexual dysfunction, you will often start with intrauterine inseminations um, as a treatment option with or without ovulation induction medication. Um, if it's severe male factor infertility, or if the fallopian tubes are blocked, or if couples have failed to conceive in maybe one to four medicated IUI cycles, we're often talking about in vitro fertilization. Um, and so with an ovulation induction cycle, um, we often are doing ultrasounds to monitor the patient's response to those medications. So we'll have patients call a cycle day one, we'll bring them in for a baseline ultrasound, we'll start their five days of that oral ovulation induction medication, and we'll bring a patient back usually around cycle day 12 or so to see if and how they responded to that medication. If they don't respond, no worries at all. We will usually repeat an ultrasound before increasing the dose of that medication and continue to follow that patient until we can see she's going to ovulate. Um, once we see evidence of response, then we have a patient trigger ovulation with an HCG trigger shot and then time intercourse around the fertile window. Um, if we have a patient doing an intrauterine insemination cycle, um, we have the option to do natural cycles with intrauterine insemination or ovulation induction cycles with intrauterine insemination, just depending on what's going on with that patient, what the goals are. So we'll often still do the ultrasound monitoring. We'll often do the HCG trigger shot when we see a mature follicle um, to help us time the insemination. And then when the couple comes in on the day of the insemination, um, the male partner leaves a sperm sample, we wash and prep that sperm sample, and then um, one of our providers would, you know, place a speculum and then place the sperm directly into the uterus on the day of ovulation. And then typically after those treatments, about two weeks after ovulation, we bring patients in for blood work um, to see if we, um, if the patient was successful or not. Um, if we get a positive pregnancy test, we usually follow our patients through the first trimester, usually with blood work initially, and then um, ultrasounds to monitor the health of the pregnancy around seven weeks or so. Um, we also have couples doing donor sperm inseminations, whether it's a same-sex female couple or a single woman. Um, that's, you know, a great option for family building um, for patients. Um, with those treatments, we'll still usually track ovulation. And once we see a dominant follicle trigger ovulation and then plan a donor sperm insemination on the day of ovulation. And then again, we bring patients in for a blood test about two weeks after um, the insemination to see if it worked. IVF is definitely a, a little bit more involved. Um, and mm -hmm. when I'm talking with patients about IVF, you know, we usually talk just big picture. Um, it typically involves 
suppressing the ovaries with a short course of birth control, or we also have the option of starting from a natural cycle, stimulating the ovaries for about 10 days with safe, but you know, also aggressive doses of injectable fertility medications. We do a lot of monitoring with ultrasound and blood work during the IVF cycle um, before setting up a procedure called an egg retrieval that is done under IV sedation um, to retrieve the eggs through a transvaginal ultrasound guided aspiration of those follicles. Then we combine egg and sperm in a Petri dish and culture those fertilized eggs until they reach what's called the blastocyst stage of embryo development, at which point in time we can do an embryo transfer, freeze the embryos or biopsy and then freeze the embryos if a couple is doing genetic testing on their embryos. Um, and, and then after that, we would plan out a frozen embryo transfer cycle. And there are options there too. We could do a natural approach to preparing the lining or we can program the cycle with estrogen and progesterone injections to plan out the transfer. And there are, I mean, like you mentioned, you just walked us through so many different options and variables and journeys mm-hmm. that people can go on. Um, and you know, some of the things that you were talking about are very close to the chest for me as well, because on the flip side of me talking about my journey of, you know, getting pregnant and having babies, um, in my early twenties, I was an egg donor for a couple different families going through their journey of infertility. And it was so eye opening to me, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in my early twenties. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking, you know, I, I didn't have friends who had infertility problems. Mm-hmm. I didn't have, I didn't see infertility in my family. And then, um, you know, seeing that people were looking for donor eggs and thinking, wow, you know, we all, we all think about our futures and think mm-hmm. about having families and things like that. And, and I was thinking about these families and, and them wanting, you know, this baby or these babies mm-hmm. so badly you know, willing to do so many different things to try to, you know, create their family that they've wanted for so long and desired for so long and have fought for, for Mm -hmm. so long. And so, you know, I I prayed about it and I talked to my family about it and Mm -hmm. um, decided I wanted to do that. And so, you know, sitting in the clinics and seeing the women in there for whatever their reason may be, it does, it just opens your eyes to so many different aspects of what that looks like for, for families, for moms, for women. Exactly. You know, an infertility clinic, I always tell patients it's a good time to be building your family in 2022. Mm -hmm. There are so many options. Maybe we don't get there with plan a, but there's a high chance we get there through one mechanism or another. And so, you know, from testing and trying to optimize natural fertility to ovulation induction to IUI, IVF, egg donor, IVF, embryo adoption, egg donor, IVF with transfer to a gestational carrier, donor sperm inseminations, you know, there, there are just a lot of different ways to build a family. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and we so appreciate you just kind of walking us through what, you know, what some of that looks like. I know this is so helpful, um, you know, for our listeners who might be going through this journey themselves or might know someone who is, I think we all do. I think, you know, for so long, infertility wasn't talked about. It was this hush, hush, no one wanted to share. No one wanted to, um, you know, talk about the hard times that they'd had or the struggles that they'd had to conceive or, you know, uh, God forbid, a miscarriage, anything. Everyone was just keeping that so close to themselves. And I think that that adds so much extra stress 
in an already stressful situation, whether it's going to be easy for you to get pregnant or not, it's still stressful. Mm -hmm. Right. We're talking about building families. And so, and I I think this brings up an important topic to tie in. I think some patients, you know, don't want to sign up for anything extra. Oftentimes infertility testing and treatment involves a lot of appointments and, Mm -hmm. you know, some patients just want to focus on those appointments. Other patients need extra support and you could get that extra support from friends or family members or, you know, different professional options like therapists that focus on infertility. There's some great resources in the community, like the Utah Infertility Resource Center. They've got some great um, group therapy sessions, individual therapy sessions, community events that, you know, some patients really benefit from to know they're not alone in this journey. I think that a lot of infertility patients do a good job of supporting each other, whether it's through social media platforms. I think that can be a little bit tricky because sometimes, you know, I'll get patients saying, well, my friend online did this. Why don't I do this? And, you know, each patient's story is a little bit different, but those questions are good to talk about in appointments to just talk about, you know, if it could, or maybe wouldn't be helpful for that individual patient. We want patients to bring those questions to us. Yeah. And at least, at least they're being talked about, you know, exactly. that that's the thing, because especially when we go, you go down this path of, um, you know, possible infertility or talking to a specialist, there's so much, you don't know what you don't know. Right. right. And you, sometimes you don't even know what questions to ask. Right. I, I would also like to put a plug in for online information from our professional society, the American Society Mm -hmm. for Reproductive Medicine and a CDC-based organization called SART.org. I think there's a a lot of misinformation out there about fertility testing and treatment. And I think it's really important that patients educate themselves because I think it's very important to be part of the testing and treatment process, but that, that education involves really good, reputable sources of information. Yeah. Well, education and knowledge is power, Mm -hmm. you know, and so to be able to gain as much as you can, you know, trying to understand what, you know, what that course might look like and Mm -hmm. reaching out to your providers, you know, don't, I just don't be afraid to have the conversation. Don't be afraid to talk, you know, ask maybe some of the hard questions that you, I feel like for some, for some women, um, they feel like once they talk about it or once they start asking the questions then that's Mm -hmm. their reality and they don't Mm -hmm. want it to be their reality. And, and so they put it off. And, and continue down the line of being frustrated or, uh, you know, going into a depression over mm-hmm. something that they can't control. Right, right, right. We, we welcome questions. We yeah. want patients to be part of their care process. Yeah. Well, you have answered so many of our questions already just today, and we so appreciate that. And um, we, of course, encourage women to uh, visit the websites that you mentioned, also intermountainhealthcare.org has a wealth of knowledge and um, information and services that, that women can find there. Um, it's a great place for women to find um, reproductive specialists like yourself mm-hmm. uh, so that they can have the conversation. And of course, um, you know, just reaching out just to your primary care physician, they can point you in the right direction as to where you, where you should be having this conversation at. Exactly. There are great providers in the community and, we, we see a lot of patients from primary care providers or midwives or OBGYNs in the community. And I think patients like going to those team members first initially sometimes just to start those conversations, maybe get a little bit of preliminary testing done. Um, but they're also welcome to come to us first, whatever works best for an individual couple or individual patient. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And because it's sometimes it's that primary doctor that we have that relationship with that we feel comfortable right. saying, Hey, right. you kind of know my path. You kind of know where I've been right. or what I've done. Um, I feel comfortable talking to you about this. And then they'll let us know, Hey, you can feel comfortable talking to this person about it too. Exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Uh, Dr. Dore, thank you so much for being with us and walking us through, you know, what can be a, a, a hard conversation or a challenging one, especially, you know, as we feel like as a woman, you know, what's wrong? Why, why isn't this happening the way it should be? Right. You, you brought up great points today and, you know, we, we definitely want patients to know they're not alone if they're struggling with infertility and the medical community is here to help. Yeah, absolutely. And that there's nothing wrong with you right. <laughs> at all. Right. All right. Dr. Dore, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. And that concludes this episode of the baby or baby podcast talking about trying to get pregnant and when to see an infertility specialist. Thanks for joining me, Jade Elliott, and our guest for this week's baby, your baby podcast. If you have a topic that you'd like our baby, your baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.